My name is Andrew Gamison, and it is my amazingly awesome privilege to be your host for the Speaking for Him podcast each and every Wednesday. I want to thank you so much for taking the time to join me. Today on the show, I will be covering a review of The Chosen Season 3, Episode 5, Clean Part 2. And there is a lot in this episode, so I'm looking forward to jumping right in. But before I do that, let's look at our quote of the day. Who touched me? Everybody back. Back, back. I asked the question. Who touched me? Master, the crowds are pressing in all around you like this, and you're asking who touched you? They all have. Someone touched me. I felt that power went out of me. Whoever touched me, come forward, teacher. It was me. Just the fringe of your garment, only the edge, I promise. You are not unclean. Why my garment? I'm sorry. I, I know I should have asked. But if, if you touched me, it would make you ritually unclean according to the law. I, I was sick. I was sick for 12 years. I bled and, and, and no one could stop it. But but I believed if I could just touch a piece of your garment. <laughs> I was right. I was right. Thank you. Who told you I could heal? A man from the pool. <laughs> and he was right. The blood is ceased. No one's daughter anymore. Look up. Yes, you are. Daughter. It wasn't my piece of clothing that healed you. But it was instant. I felt it right away. I know. But it wasn't this. was your faith. Teacher, she was bleeding so long. We can take her. She is clean. (laughs) 
You have blessed me today. And I know... My daughter, I know it has been a fight for you for so long. You must be exhausted. Go now in peace. Your faith has made you well. I wish I could stay here longer. But I have business to attend to. Someone else has faith like yours. But I'm so glad that we found each other. So there you have our quote of the day. As you can tell, I actually played a full scene from The Chosen And I just think it's a really powerful scene because it's the scene of the woman with the issue of blood coming to Jesus and reaching out for the hem of his garment because that's all that she can grasp in the crowd. And there's a lot of significant things going on in this scene. But the thing that I want to focus on for the quote of the day is when Jesus says, daughter, look up. This is a woman that's been displaced from everything she's ever known. Uh, Her family disowned her. She even says in response, I'm no one's daughter. And Jesus says, yes, you are. And I just like the way that he encourages her to look to him and lets her know that it was her faith that healed her, not grasping on to the threads of his garment. But I also think it's really neat that there has been a meme that has gone around Facebook a few times that says, if you're going to be hanging on by a thread, let it be a thread from Jesus' garment. And what a wonderful message that is to us to make sure that we are hanging on to Jesus with everything we are worth. So at this time, I'm going to dig into... This episode, now as I said last time, uh, this is the first episode in the history of The Chosen that actually has a second part, and there was a lot going on in the first part, and there is here. Now, I believe I erroneously said at the end of the last episode that Jairus' daughter breathed her last as the credits rolled. And that is not accurate because we do see Jairus' daughter again alive. Not well, but alive. But she does pass away at a pivotal point in this week's episode. So I'm going to just review this from top to bottom and give some thoughts on the individual scenes. This was so well done, I thought, and... There's a lot going on here. We start actually with a bit of a flashback because as you know from the last episode, uh, Peter and Eden are struggling to communicate. Peter has no idea what uh, he may have done wrong. And I, to be quite honest with you, don't quite understand Eden's reticence to share what's going on 
as I said, I think on the last review episode, it's very important for people that love one another to communicate and to realize that human beings do not have the ability to read minds. Jesus would be the one exception to that rule. So as it opens, we see Eden struggling and we find out that she miscarries a baby. Well, Peter is on his missions trip. And so she's going through a bunch of emotional turmoil that Peter knows nothing about. As he will tell Gaius later in the episode, we don't have kids. So obviously he wasn't even aware that she was pregnant. Then we see Jairus hearing from the doctor that his daughter doesn't have very long to live. Um, Her heart is weak and she's not going to be able to survive much longer. Uh, We see Peter taking Gaius' advice and telling his wife, you know, I don't know what I did, but whatever it is, I'm sorry and I was wrong. Now, this is an example of something that happens a lot with guys because as men we have the tendency to want to just fix problems and we don't like to leave things undone. And so Peter takes the advice that Gaius gave him to own up and take responsibility for what is going on here. And he's trying to do that, but only through his limited understanding. And so that causes Eden to react harshly, and Peter remains confused. Then we see James and John fighting the sons of Zebedee, um, the sons of thunder, as Jesus would call them. We see their tempers flaring up. And this is an interesting dynamic that was put forth because when we saw them paired up two by two, Jesus didn't keep James and John together. He separated them into their own pairs. And so there was a little bit of tension between the brothers because I'm sure, as would be the reality, these brothers were so used to doing everything together and now they've experienced things apart. And it's really hard for them to come to terms with the idea that they could be used apart from one another or that they could find someone else within the disciples to bond with. So that is a very interesting situation. Then we see Nathaniel and Thaddeus walking along. Nathaniel appears to be carrying water, and he has to carry it quite a distance, so he's complaining. And they run across Veronica. Originally, they think that she's dead, but she's just resting and she's struggling uh, with her bleeding disorder. And apparently she's been told about Jesus from the man that was uh, a paralytic at the pool of Bethesda. And so she has known about him and she finds out that they are Jesus' disciples and she ends up following them back to find Jesus. They're not sure where Jesus is either. Um, They're waiting to hear from him themselves. Uh, And so I I love the fact that 
they are trying to help her, and yet you see the humanity in the situation. They can't just um, wave a magic wand and make things happen. They have to wait on Jesus. And isn't that the case for all of us, to have to wait on Jesus and make sure that we are trusting him, whatever may happen. And then we see what I consider to be one of the more interesting story points in The Chosen, and that is that Zebedee decides, after he has been a fisherman for many years, that he's going to sell his fishing boat and go full tilt into the oil business, and he's going to buy a vineyard. And I really would like the opportunity to sit down with Dallas and just ask him, why did you choose this storyline? And I I think it's very interesting because he says, I was only catching fish to make ends meet until you guys, talking to his sons, James and John, until you guys found your actual career. And now that you have, now that Jesus has chosen you, I can choose a new path for myself. And of course, he is trying to sell olive oil in part to fund the ministry. Again, this is not in scripture, but it is a plausible, interesting storyline, which I find quite fascinating. And I just think it's really interesting Uh, that he has a great perspective. You know, I was fishing not to make something of myself, but just to make ends meet and to try to serve the Lord until the Messiah came. I was waiting for the Messiah. And now that the Messiah is here, I'm confident to try something else. And in his own way, he wants to serve and honor Jesus, which I think is a really neat thing. Then we have one of the other really interesting dynamics of the last couple episodes, and that is the interaction between Peter and Gaius, a Roman centurion and a Jewish follower of Jesus. And so you have this situation where these two... uh, people that should not be interacting have the opportunity to interact. Uh, Peter has the, the muscle and the wherewithal to help fix this cistern, and Gaius has the responsibility. And so they're working together on this project, and it's a really interesting discussion um, as we see the contrast between someone who serves the one true and living God to someone who serves a pantheon of gods that are meant to serve each and every need. And Peter's able to say, our one God that we serve meets every need that we have. And so it's a very interesting conversation that they have, which shows the difference between, as I said, believing in multiple gods and believing in one God to meet all your needs. And so I think perhaps that maybe the long game for Gaius is that he comes to know 
the Lord Jesus. And perhaps he might be the centurion who says, surely this man was the son of God. Um, I don't know that that is what Dallas has planned, but I wouldn't be very surprised to see that this is something that is developing. And I really like the way that having a series format allows you to develop some of these storylines. So often when we do a movie or a play about Jesus, we have to deliver our message in two hours or maybe a little bit more, but we don't have the long game to sit and unravel. What did this mean culturally? What were these people actually thinking when uh, these stories were taking place? And we get that opportunity with The Chosen, which is so uh, exciting. And then we see Jairus looking through um, the scrolls, the Old Testament, for any information on healing he can get. And he talks to one of his co-workers at the temple, and he says, please bring me to Jesus. And they say, well, we don't know where he is, um, but we can bring you to his followers. So first he goes to Judas, and Judas says, I'm new here, I'm his follower, but I can't tell you where he is, and even if I could, I wouldn't. Um, very protective of Jesus. And then he sees disciples going into Peter's house, and he follows them there, and they go, and they talk to Jesus, and he falls to his knees, and he implores Jesus to come and help him. And what I love about this is it's a subtle nod as are so many other things in this series. It's a subtle nod to the deity of Christ. Jairus intuitively knows that this man is more than just a man and that he has the ability to heal him. And so then Jesus pulls Jairus to his feet, asks his difficulty. Jairus says, my daughter is sick. Please come and heal her. I know she will be okay if you come. And so Jesus says, you don't know me, and yet you have a great faith. And he agrees to come. And then this whole crowd of people, as as in so many other instances, they find out that Jesus is going to do a miracle, and they're following along, and there's a big crowd. And then we see the scene that I just played for you a few minutes ago where he heals the woman with the issue of blood. And this is such a powerful scene. Um, she reaches out for the hem of his garment because she can't get any closer. Power goes out from Jesus. I always found this very interesting and yet another tell of the deity of Christ because he asks the question, who touched me? even though there's a lot of people surrounding him and any number of them could have been considered the one that touched him, he knew there was a difference. There was a difference between someone pressing on him because they were following him and in a crowd and maybe tripped and, and hit him accidentally and someone who reached out in desperation for him. And I would, I would draw a spiritual parallel here too, 
Because there's a lot of people that have quote unquote touched Jesus. They know about Jesus. They know about the scriptures. They've kicked the tires of faith. But until you reach out and touch Jesus for yourself, until you taste and see that the Lord is good, you will not experience the power of God. You must have the Holy Spirit in order to do that. And so he asks the question, who touched me? I do not believe that he asks this question because he doesn't know. What I believe is that Jesus is calling on this woman who is portrayed as a woman named Veronica for the purposes of the chosen. He's calling on this woman to make a public acknowledgement of her healing and to acknowledge that she was the one that reached out for him, not for his benefit, but for hers. She needed to know that he knew that she needed healing, and that she received healing. And it's a very powerful scene, as I said. This story has a greater significance for me because I heard for the first time within the last few days a very interesting parallel. Jairus' daughter was 12 years old when she was at the point of death and then later died. And this woman was someone who had an issue of blood 12 years. So Jairus, as a leader in the synagogue, could testify to her cleanliness after this 12 years with an issue of blood. It is no doubt that the leaders of the synagogue knew of her issue because she had not been able to approach the synagogue because of it. Her own father disowned her, as I mentioned earlier. And so this was a known issue. And so there was a pastor that I was listening to on the radio, and he drew the parallel. He said this synagogue leader could testify that this woman, who had an issue of blood 12 years was cleansed, and the reason he could believe that she was fully cleansed without a doubt is because he watched Jesus, the same Jesus, raise his daughter from the dead. And so we continue on, and he goes to Jairus' home. As he approaches Jairus' home, He's Jairus is told that his daughter died. Jairus is devastated, of course, but Jesus says, don't worry, just believe. Trust me. And so Jesus approaches the home. He tells the mourners to stop because the child was not dead but only slept. Of course, we know the child is dead. I think Jesus was saying at that point, death has only the power of sleep. When it comes to me, I have the power over death. And he showed it. And he kicks everybody out of the house. Jairus says, listen to him. Everybody leave. And everybody leaves except for Peter, James, and John. And then Jesus sits by the bed, takes the girl by the hand, and says, little lamb, arise. And she opens her eyes and looks at her mother and you can feel all the emotion 
that goes with that. So I just thought that was very well done. And I just really appreciated how powerful this episode was. And you can really see uh, the disciples who are with Jesus taking all this in and they can't believe um, that all this is happening. And so you see Veronica putting off her bloody clothes and burning them and starting anew. Um, You see religious leaders confronting Jesus about touching that which is unclean. And Jesus just says, well, maybe she used to be, basically, but she's not anymore. And I really just appreciate the confidence and the authority with which Jesus speaks here. Um, You know, that particular interaction is not in the scriptures, but there are so many other interactions where he clearly speaks with authority. And one of the scriptures that I most love is when they're sent to arrest him and they come back empty-handed. And what is the response? The disciples strong-armed us. Jesus pushed past us. No, their response is simply this. No one spoke like this man. Because when Jesus spoke, he spoke with the authority of heaven. He spoke with the authority of God because he was and is and always will be the very Son of God. And then you see Jesus taking the disciples to bathe in the river in part to satisfy the ritual um, necessary for becoming clean after touching something unclean, but more importantly, just to have a good time with his disciples and to also encourage Veronica because they come to the water and they see Veronica and they talk to her and they check up on her, making sure she's okay. Tamar and Mary Magdalene have a sweet touching moment with her in this scene where they're asking her about her story. She says it's a long one and Mary says the best ones usually are. And I love that she says this because I feel like she would know that uh, because of where she came from uh, being a drunk and, and a gambler and being possessed by demons and Jesus having delivered her from that. She would understand more than most what it was like to go on a long journey with Jesus. And as you pull back from this scene of the disciples enjoying the water and Veronica enjoying being delivered from this horrible situation, you see Eden struggling. And no doubt what's going through her mind is, if Jesus can do these great acts of healing, why has he not healed me? And... That's definitely a thought that all of us who are human have had. I know I have had that in regards to my disability. I'm like, hey, God is so powerful. If he wanted to, he could heal me tomorrow. And that is a reality. It's true. God could heal me tomorrow if he so chose. 
but he has lessons to teach me through my disability that I wouldn't learn otherwise. And I want to encourage you that that is the same situation that he has for you, that whatever life circumstance you're going through, he has a lesson for you to learn. Now, sometimes the lesson is in the healing and sometimes the lesson is in the enduring. And so that is the close of this episode. So my general thoughts here are that this is a very full episode and it's just very well done. I really like the pacing. I like how they threw a lot in um, and it feels overwhelming on one side, but then at the same time, it doesn't feel too overwhelming. It doesn't really feel like they tried to do too much. I really like the way they wove everything together. And one thing that I really see in the chosen as a whole is just the journey that everyone's on. Jairus is on this journey to discover more of God and he's trying to trust. Um, he even tells his wife, please trust me and trust him pointing out Jesus when she's like, why weren't you here when our daughter died? He's like, I was going to find him. And of course, Jesus then brings their daughter back to life and she is overwhelmed with gratitude. And Jairus as well, he said, there are no other words except thank you. So, thank you. And that was another powerful scene. So, what was the biggest lesson in this episode. Well, I think the biggest lesson in this episode is to trust God. And I think you have some interesting contrasts here because you have a woman who had an issue of blood 12 years, but she never gave up hope. We talked about that a little bit in my last review. Um, she could have given up hope, um, but she didn't. She continued to stay the course and believe that something would happen. And then you have Jairus and his wife and their daughter, and we don't know much about their backstory. All we know is that she got sick and then she died, and there was no hope for her apart from Jesus. And Jesus healed them both, the woman and this girl by his power and his power alone. I like the fact that in the case of the woman being healed from touching the fringe of Jesus garment, that it is made clear both in the passage and in this chosen episode that it was her faith that made her whole. I'm reminded of Rahab in the old Testament who was told to put a scarlet thread um, outside of her house so that the spies would know where she was so she could be saved. It wasn't the scarlet thread that saved her. It wasn't the hiding the men on her roof and lying about where they were that saved her. It was her faith that saved her. And so I think that's so important for us to realize. 
what was any strengths or weaknesses of this episode? Well, I think if there is a weakness of this episode, it is just in how much uh, there is in the episode. Like I said, it didn't seem too overwhelming, but there definitely was a lot. Um, and I know they had a purpose in the Peter and Eden storyline, but it always irritates me when there's a major conflict in any TV show I'm watching. And I'm like, Hey guys, just discuss it. Just talk about it. Just get it out on in the open. And so in some ways I see it as a weakness, even though it was made to prove a point. So this episode of the chosen, I would give five stars. I really liked in addition to the lessons that I've talked about, in addition to the, the healing of the 12 year old girl and the one with the issue of blood, I really liked the Peter and Gaius scenes. I thought they were um, really interesting, especially given the fact that Peter will be sent to Cornelius to give him the gospel as a Gentile. So knowing that that is factually coming up in the timeline just makes me really excited to see this conversation and how they know that they are different and they respect each other, but they don't back away from their differences. And as I said, I'm hoping that the series will cause this to be an open door for Gaius to learn the truth of the gospel. So that's about all I have time for this week. I would encourage you to take the opportunity to watch this episode of The Chosen and any of the first three seasons which are currently out. You can go to thechosen.tv and watch this series or you can download the iPhone or iPad app and I believe it's even available for Android and other phones through like the Google Play Store, etc. So please make sure that you avail yourself of this wonderful series. I always make sure to include a link to the episode from thechosen.tv on my blog for this episode. So make sure you go to the blog if you're not already going there and you can get the links that I share on my show. I just really have been blessed by this series, and I hope that you can say the same. Before I go, I would just like to remind you that I have playlists on my audio website for The Chosen Season 1 and The Chosen Season 2. And again, I'm currently building the playlist or the chosen season three. So if you want to use my reviews in conjunction with watching the show yourself or with any Bible study or special event you are doing, feel free to do that. My audio is always available free of charge. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen. I hope you have a wonderful week and I hope you keep serving. 
the best of masters. Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at speakingforhim. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.